Welcome to the Ole Law Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that discusses, among other issues, technology, the internet, social media, privacy, data protection, and cybercrime. How these concepts interact with the law, how they affect us as individuals. I am your host, and my name is Mugambi Laibuta. This week, I wish to discuss a topic that has been there in the public domain for a few weeks now, and this is hate speech. We've had politicians, individuals getting accused of giving speeches that amount to hate speech, whether online or offline. I've always argued for the right to free speech. The right to freedom of expression is enshrined under Article 33 of our Constitution. Some people argue that the right to free speech includes the right to offend, the right to shock, and the right to disturb. But there are limitations to these rights. Could it be that some speech is offensive but not illegal, or illegal but not offensive? If we look at the history of hate speech laws, for example, after the 1994 Rwanda genocide, Rwanda came up with genocide de- denial laws. After the Kofi Annan AU mediated process, one of the agendas for the long-term solutions for Kenya was cohesion and integration. This was really highlighted as a challenge that we had as a country. And it was due to these challenges that we have Article 33 of our Constitution that relates to freedom of expression and the National Cohesion and Integration Act. Article 33 of the Constitution provides that every person, I mean each one of us, has the right to freedom of expression, which includes the right to seek, receive, or impart information or ideas, freedom of artistic creativity, academic freedom, and freedom of scientific research. But there's a proviso, there's a rider to this. The right to freedom of expression does not extend to propaganda for war, incitement to violence, hate speech, or advocacy of hatred that constitutes ethnic incitement, vilification of others, or incitement to cause harm. Or, if this advocacy to hatred is based on any grounds of discrimination that may be contemplated under Article 27. And when we look at Article 27, some of these grounds, I mean, it talks about equality and freedom from discrimination, which means that uh, nobody should be directly or indirectly discriminated upon on the basis of their race, their sex, pregnancy, marital status, health status, ethnic or social origin, color, age, disability, religion, conscience, belief, culture, dress, language, or birth. But when we look at about speech and how it is regulated in Kenya, sometimes, mostly, actually it's mostly, it's used against government critics. The Computer Misuse and Cybercrimes Act, which I've discussed before, that is used to limit speech, whether political or not, that carries out some form of public scrutiny. However, even under international law, international law, international covenants, international human rights law, recognizes that there are limits to freedom of expression, to free speech. The African Charter on Humans and People's Rights, the ICC statute talks about outlawing incitement to genocide. We have the International Covenant on Civil and Political um, Rights. And it's usually a tough balancing act for the courts to balance between free speech and limitations to speech. When we read our Article 33.2, of course, issues of propaganda to war, incitement to violent hate speech, and also uh, protecting, respecting the rights and reputation of others. So when we look at this, and also read together 
with the Section 13 of the National Cohesion and Integration Act, it actually defines what hate speech is. It says, hate speech, a person who uses threatening, abusive, or insulting words or behavior or displays any written material. So their hate speech shows it's both can be spoken, could be written, could be art, or a person who publishes or distributes written material, presents or directs the performance, the public performance of a play, distributes shows or displays uh, visual images, uh, produces a program which is threatening, abusive, or insulting, or involves the use of threatening, abusive, or insulting words, or behavior. It com this person commits an offense if the intention is to stir up hatred. The interesting thing about section 13 it says if such person intends thereby to stir up ethnic hatred this provision foresees or looks at hate speech where there is some form of in intention or it says or having regard to all circumstances ethnic hatred is likely to be stirred up brings another angle that the intention perhaps might not be there but there's a likelihood that ethnic hatred will be stirred up and at section 13 2 says any person who commits an offense under this section is liable to a fine not exceeding 1 million shillings or to a term not exceeding 3 years or, or both. When I compare the fines, I mean the penalties um, under the Integration, National Cohesion and Integration Act and the, the limitation of free speech under the Computer Misuse and Cybercrimes Act, the, the National Cohesion Act is a bit soft because the fines the penalties under the Computer Misuse and Cybercrimes Act are quite high. And Section 13, uh, subsection 3 says ethnic hatred means hatred against a group of persons defined by reference to color, race, nationality, including citizenship or ethnic or national origin. So this brings about do they unjustly do away with free speech? But when we look at the origin, I mean, when I talk about the origin of the, this uh, provision, the Convention Against Genocide, Anything to do with insults, slurs, epithets, whether it's written, whether it's art. And there's usually an effect to this kind of speech. Because as you've seen, one, it can incite people to war. It can lead to stigma, can lead to self-hatred, can lead to discrimination, can lead to oppression, can lead to violence. So the requirement is not only the intention, there's also the likelihood. But then the question, how, how do we measure likelihood? that it's likely that there will be war, that there's likely that this person intend, it's most probable this person intended to stir up the emotions of a community or a group. Unfortunately, this crime has been directed at politicians. Hardly have we found individuals who've been charged with hate speech. I mean, individuals, as I say, under the Computer Misuse and Cybercrimes Act, they are charged uh, with publication of fake news, uh, misinformation, or making people catch feelings, if I, if I may call it. Uh, they say that uh, this, the, the Computer Misuse and Cybercrimes Act is more about protecting the feelings of people either in public, in public offices or in private sector. What we are talking about is that there are some protected characteristics the elements of this hate speech crime one is the content and the tone of expression because we are dealing is uh, is the tone likely to cause some violence to cause some hatred to cause some discrimination is there likelihood of harm caused i think i've talked about this is there potential for harm when you look at how reckless speech led to violence in 2000 in 2007 2008 then we can say it, it just needs a spark it just needs some 
speech, some information, some art, some poster. And you know, for now we have all this. Um, we have all this community radio. We have the internet. That information goes out there like bushfire. Also, this speech should be directed against a group of people we've looked we've seen that uh, article 27 talks about the various issues where we should not discriminate upon people i mean the issue of gender the issue of religion the issue of uh, pregnancy and then there's the possibility of harm when we look at hate speech is there a possibility of harm so when we look at our history the answer is yes some speech has actually led to harm. And if it has led to harm, then there's a potential of speech. It doesn't matter whether by a politician, by a private citizen, by a blogger, to cause some harm. And whether this will lead to discrimination. Many a times we've heard of xenophobic vibes, xenophobic speech in Kenya, but we never really pay attention to it. What we pay attention to is political speech when one party and the other party uh, are fighting for political power for these political seats. But we've really never had a politician who's been convicted, charged. I mean, like for imprisonment. Let me talk about, uh, let me talk about imprisonment. I mean, if, if looking at the gravity of this crime, it's there in international conventions. It's there in international um, statutes, the, Ro the, the, the Rome Statute, African Charter. It's there within our constitution because of one of the few provisions that have a very strong proviso within our constitutional text is Article 33. It lists them. It lists them down there. So this speech about CC, how Nini, I mean us versus them. The question is: Is there is is there that element of incitement? Is there that intention to stir up emotions? Is there that intention for discrimination? And this podcast looks at how these issues operate within the digital platform. For example, the YouTube community guidelines on contents outlaws any content that promotes violence or hatred against individuals or groups based on certain attributes. So in as much as this one, the, the YouTube guidelines look at individuals, also look at groups. And using the same attributes like I laid out under um, Article 27 of our Constitution, Section 13 of the Co National Cohesion Act, Twitter itself, in its hateful conduct policy, says nobody should post any tweets or any content that promotes violence against or directly attacks other people based on their race, ethnicity, age, gender, etc. Facebook, also within their community standard, shows that direct attacks on people based on their char characteristics goes against the community standards of Facebook. And Facebook actually has a tiered approach. It has a three-tiered approach where it talks about what uh, amounts to extreme content what is not so what is not so extreme the challenge that i have in analyzing this is that there's not enough moderation of kenyan content i mean as much as the politicians are charged under section 13 of the national cohesion act in relation to hate speech there's not much moderation happening within these digital platforms because the utterances, this um, the utterances by these individuals, whether politicians or not, are easily available on YouTube. They are easily available on Twitter. Twitter. They are easily available on Facebook. Shows that there's a gap in terms of the content moderation 
on this. Of course, there are people, I mean, these platforms allow for people to report such kind of content for being against the community, uh, the community policy, but it's really not enough because also content goes viral. So once people start sharing it on WhatsApp, uh, via email, on Twitter, on, uh, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, then of course the reporting mechanism is, is not sufficient. We are two years to a general election. Speech, any kind of speech, especially political speech, speech made by competing parties within the, the political circus, will come under close scrutiny. But there's that fear. I mean, when I, when I looked at and I discussed the elements of hate speech, uh, the issue of the content and the tone, the issue of whether it has caused harm or the potentiality of harm being caused, then we have cause for worry. Social media, the internet makes this speech spread like bushfire. Of course, it's very hard to tell people don't engage in any form of hate speech. But that is not sufficient. We've seen people are being charged with hate speech. But in the past that has shown that that has not been sufficient where incitement promoting i mean apart from this we've seen instances of xenophobia in kenya where people commit hate speech against a for a, a group of, of foreign nationals there's no uproar such as the uproar when a politician goes on a platform talks about them us nini sisi how so what could be the solution i really have no solution <laughs> i really have no solution but the community standards of these platforms, whether uh, LinkedIn, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook, could be helpful because they actually have the wordings, almost give or take, the wording that is there and Article 33 of our Constitution and Section 13 of the National Cohesion Act. People could report this content more and more and perhaps it will, it will find itself out of, out of the Kenyan digital space then the balancing by the courts under section 13 on hate speech then on the national cohesion act how do you balance political speech how do you capture the intent how do you capture the probability of harm and i hope that the litigation that is going on on various politicians various individuals who've been charged with hate speech could actually shed light on some of these issues not only offline but also online that's it for today thank you for listening i know i've raised more questions uh, than given uh, answers i welcome your comments on twitter at olez on facebook ole laibuta my email is mugambi at laibuta.com until next time thank you for listening Thank you for your feedback. Asanteni sana and kwaheri.